morning. You can uh, remain standing. And let's, uh, let's read some scripture together. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? When did this... These weeds come from. An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life and the love that are in your word. I pray that we would be quickened, that we would be alive to receive all of those things, that you would, that you would change us today, that you would speak to us in a special way. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, as with most of Jesus' parables, uh, this one is specifically about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, when, when we started in this year, I knew we were going to be uh, talking about the parables of Jesus. And uh, at some point in time, I don't know when it was, maybe in the, in the late spring, it kind of it finally hit me. Almost all of these are about the kingdom. That's what Jesus was, was talking about. And so we're talking about the kingdom. And... This, and also discipleship. Uh, the things that, that we'll hear today, the things that we'll learn are, are lessons of discipleship because discipleship is how you get into the kingdom. Uh, salvation uh, is free. Discipleship costs something. Uh, if anyone would be my disciple, he has to forsake everything and come and follow me. That's what Jesus says. Uh, to get saved, you just come to me. Be a disciple. You have to follow him. It, it, it requires something. And so what this one today tells us about, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. When God created the earth and created mankind, things were not like they are now. Things were different from the way that they are now. There was no war. There was no hatred. Uh, no sickness no sin. Uh, there was peace. There was plenty, beauty, a garden, no parking lots at all in Eden or anywhere on the earth at that point in time. Relationships. Relationships were good. Relationships were right because they had a relationship with God. And when you have a, a relationship with God, then that sort of really helps a lot in, in, in all of your other relationships that you're, that you're dealing with. Mankind had real dominion rather than striving for artificial dominion. I don't think Adam ever got up 
and it had ever occurred to him, I wonder what I I need some Roundup. <laughs> I, I wonder how you get rid of this. Stuff. You know, I, I I wonder what kind of fertilizer I need to make this. No, nah, you know, and I doubt that he ever that he ever uh, considered. Man, we need some water. You know. I don't, we have no idea what we lost in the fall. No idea whatsoever. I, I, you know, I, I think if Adam needed water, all he basically had to do was go, hey, we need some water here. And whether it fall from the sky or coming from the ground, there, there, there it is. He had dominion, real dominion, not something that he had to strive for to kind of artificially bring about. So, like I say, we have no idea what we lost in the fall of mankind. We, uh, uh, it's those of you who are familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia and C.S. Lewis and, and all that stuff, you know, he, he, uh, he th- would say that we used to be able to talk to the animals. You know, you didn't, uh, what, what was that guy? Who, who was Dr. Doolittle? Yeah, you didn't have to be Dr. Doolittle to talk to the animals. And I don't know how interesting that would be. Uh, I've got this dog. And uh, I think I know what he would say to me. How about some food? Let's have some food. I got an idea. Let's eat some food right now. I, I think some food would be great. But, but you know, uh, maybe animals were smarter then, you know, before the fall. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was more interesting. We do know that Jesus came to earth and became one of us to seek and to save that which was lost. And while that certainly includes people, I think it maybe includes even a lot more because I think a lot was lost. And so the kingdom has come. And as we talked about for several weeks now, at, at this point, it's actually an invisible, invisible kingdom. The Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. His answer was the kingdom of God doesn't come in such a way as to be seen. It's not going to be a situation where somebody's going to say, look, there it is, or, or, or here it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. And, and as Romans 14, 17 tells us, it's righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Ghost, and those things, those things can't necessarily be seen um, in an outward manifestation. There's something that's inward, that's inside of us. But we also know from Scripture that there will be a literal, physical kingdom, a political kingdom, if you will, that will happen on the earth when, when Christ returns. That's, that's also going to take place. So we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's a mess. <laughs> we really need you. But right now, we're sort of in the time between times. The kingdom has come, but the literal physical manifestation, outward manifestation, hasn't really happened yet. And we seemingly can't help but try to help it along and, and, and make a literal, physical manifestation of, of the kingdom come on the earth. There was, a, there was a church down in Atlanta that back in the, I guess, early 80s. I went to visit uh, on a um, conference, and I was really impressed. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is a really great happening place. Uh, and then later on, uh, Margaret and I went down to Atlanta. We had the kids with us. I think this may have been after we came back from Zimbabwe. And we went and we visited that church, and, and they were talking about kingdom now 
And, you know, and they had built this, 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 this huge edifice, and now they wanted to build a shopping mall for Jesus so that you could have a kingdom shopping mall. And I thought, America. You know, that would be what we would think. Let's have a kingdom shopping mall so we can manifest the kingdom on the earth. Some have started communities. Some have started movements and, and doctrines and cults and to try and bring the kingdom right now on the earth. Um, for most people, though, believers and, and even unbelievers, uh, the institution generally identified with the kingdom in terms of a, a literal physical manifestation would be the church. And, and as I was looking for pictures of churches, uh, you know, I found everything from the sublime to the absolutely ridiculous. And I thought this was probably right in the middle of that, somewhere, somewhere in between. Uh, so let's, and since we're in a church and since we're part of a church, let's see what this parable has to tell us about the time between times, which is really what we're in. And the first thing, the most obvious thing that it has to tell us is that there are some weeds among the wheat. Who saw that coming? Oh, that's right. Jesus did. That's why he told this parable. Uh, so what does this mean? Well, it'll come as a shock to absolutely no one here to realize that one of the things it means is that there's, there's no perfect church. Yeah. People look for it here and there, especially in a consumer-oriented society, because there's clearly a perfect car and a perfect kind of peanut butter and a perfect pizza. So there's bound to be a perfect church out there somewhere. I just need to keep looking. I like Springhouse. Uh, you know, I really do, and I suspect that that some of you do. Ho hopefully, hopefully, all of you do. Uh, I like Springhouse Worship and Art Center most of the time. There are some times that I'm not so sure how I, how I, how I feel about it. I like the size. I, you know, would I love to see hundreds more people here? Yeah, in fact, when I was a young pastor, I really kind of felt like, you know, I, I will have totally failed God if we're not at least in four figures, and we probably ought to be in five figures, and, and we need to get there pretty quickly. And there's nothing wrong with churches that are in four figures or in five figures, but I think that probably my feeling about that had a whole lot more to do with, with Ronnie Meek than it did the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, and so God probably knew that I, I, didn't, I didn't need that, or he didn't need me needing that or something. Uh, but I like the size. I mean, you know, we're, it's small enough where I can know a lot of the people here, and pretty much all of them, especially if they get involved, but it's also large enough we can do some stuff. And, uh, you know, so I like that. And when the next guy comes along, you know, if it goes boom, and we start running a lot of people, I'll still come because all I got to do is come. <laughs> and just sit there. Yeah. Uh, I like the creativity. I like the freedom. You know, if it, if it doesn't have to be set in stone, we don't set it in stone. I've had, I've had numerous times over the years, people come and go, Pastor, we need, to, we need a rule about that. You know, we, we need a rule about this. You know, and my tendency is to kind of go, mm, we need a rule, you think? I, I don't think we need a rule. 
necessarily. Well, uh, let's do this. Let's deal with people individually as if they were individuals and let the Holy Spirit work in every, you know, so that instead of going, this is the rule, we might have to go, what do you want done this time? That's some way to do something. I like the DNA of the church. Last week, Kevin brought a, um, uh, a great message about not, about not judging. And, uh, and, and he had everybody get a rock and everybody lifted up. And, uh, you know, if you were here and you had a rock and you were lifting it up and he said, look around the church, uh, that was a strong visual uh, to see a church full of people with rocks in their hands lifted up. Uh, now, we're not basically, a, we're not a judgmental church. That's not something that we're known for. But we need to be reminded because, you know, each, all of us have individual tendencies to go there. And, and, and if we're not reminded and, a few, and enough of us, you know, start liking the feel of that rock in, in, in our hands, we could become one. But it's, it's not our DNA, and I, and I, uh, I like that. I actually, I, the point that Kevin made last week that I, I'm going to mention again, even though it has nothing to do with this sermon, but it's just so important, and I know that people have to hear things like 80 jillion times before it actually hits home, was the one about, you know, we, don't want to, we, we won't hear people who have walked with us for years and know us well. We, don't, we won't hear what they have to say to us. We, we, want, a, we want a stranger on television or a, a, a disembodied voice on the radio to speak to us because obviously they know more because they're on television and on the radio than somebody who's walked with us for all of our lifetime. You know, I mean, he did say that. You remember that, right? You've been mulling it all week. Yeah. Springhouse Worship and Art Center is not a perfect church, and it's not, it's not, not everybody belongs here for, for various reasons. Some people don't like good preaching. <laughs> okay, just, that, that's not true. Some, they just don't recognize it. But <laughs> it, it's, actually, it's too big for some people. You know, and, and, I, and I get that. Uh, uh, last week on the radio, couple, two weeks ago on the radio, one of my heroes, Eugene Peterson, uh, was, uh, was interviewed. I had an hour-long interview with him. It was great. And one of the things that they said was, you know, well, when, when, how, how, how do you advise people to find a church? You know, when they say, how do I find a church? What do you say to him? He said, well, I tell them to go to the one closest to their house. And... Uh, hopefully a small one. And after six months, if that's not where they belong, go to the next closest to the house. Now, for those of you who live far away, this was a disembodied voice on the radio. <laughs> just, just saying, okay? But, uh, but, you know, I could see the validity and the value, you know, in, in, in what, he was, what he was saying there. Uh, so like I say, not, not everyone belongs here. And even those who do belong here, there can be trying times. Because that's what happens in a family. We, 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 we get our feelings hurt. We get, we get offended. We get uh, discontent. We get restless. We, uh, the grass looks greener. Yeah, and boy, you know how that works out. 
pretty well. No church is perfect, mainly because most because it, people are in them, and, and, and people aren't perfect. And if you, if you think that you're perfect, then I'm going to use a word that I always get rebuked for using, but this is the perfect time to use it. And I, and, and I use that word perfection advisedly. If you think that you're perfect, then you are either stupid or profoundly ignorant. One of the two. Beyond the imperfections that people have normally, there are also the deliberate plants of the enemy. And I don't want to create paranoia. I don't, you know, I don't want people looking around going, well, I wonder who's, you know, who, who the devil sent here. <laughs> Over the years, I've had some ideas. But uh, I, 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 currently, I'm all out of ideas. So, you know, everybody's safe. Uh, <laughs> But it's always been an issue in the church. I mean, uh, when Paul was saying goodbye to the Ephesians, uh, you know, he, he said, when I leave, I know that ravenous wolves will come among you. In fact, in fact, he said, even from your own number, there'll be those that will, that will arise and, and, uh, and distort the truth in order to draw people away from themselves. And Peter had issues with that, and John had issues with that, and they... And they wrote about it. You know, and these are not just, these are not overtly evil people necessarily. They're not people who necessarily came with an agenda. They're not, you know, oh, you know, the, the local coven is going to send some witches into all the churches to, you know, to try and bring them down or, or something like that. You know, which is kind of what, they're weeds. They do what weeds do. Take up all the resources, the air, the soil, the water, stunt the growth of those around without contributing or adding anything to it. Because that's the way of the world. That's the way the world rolls. Well, what do we do about this? Well, let me tell you what we do about it. I, I, we persevere. We bear good fruit. We continue in love and service uh, and, and in the grace and the knowledge of God. That's what we do about it. Now let me tell you what we don't do about it. Because this parable very clearly tells us what we don't do about it. We don't fix it. Some of the greatest tragedies in, uh, in the history of Christianity have come about from people trying to fix the church, purge the church, pu purify the church. I, and I would go so far as to say that that's never really ended well because it's never been our job. You've heard, I'm sure everybody here has heard the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, let me give you a corollary. If it is broke, and it ain't your job, don't fix it. And I'm not talking about shirking your duty. I, look, I'm talking about from experience here. Because I tried to change the plumbing in our shower one time. 
Yeah, nice, exactly. And, you know, and I can replace a shower head. I mean, you know, screw it off, screw it on, you know, wax on, wax off. It's simple. But, you know, when you're going to replace the whole thing, and, and nothing is standard. Every cartridge is different. And what is a cartridge anyway when it comes to plumbing? And so after multiple, multiple visits to the local hardware store, the, the end result was that, you know, after a couple of weeks, it got fixed. I called a plumber. The only thing that I have left as a reminder of that is, is an asbestos pad and an acetylene torch. I don't have any business having an acetylene torch in my possession. I just don't. And the wall behind that, it, has, it never looked the same. Again, after I worked, that's what tends to happen when you do something that you've express, you're expressly unqualified to do. That's a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. That's why, that's why Home Depot and Lowe's sells paint and paint remover. Yeah. And so... The servants came to the master and said, oh, there's these, there are these weeds in the field. Would you like for us to pull them up? And he expressly said, no. No. Because while you're pulling up the weeds, you're going to pull up some wheat as well. So just let them grow together. I, I've got a time appointed for this to get done. I have people who are harvesters, and they know what they're doing. Don't pull them up. As a general rule, we, we, we can't tell the difference. You know, over, over 30 years of being here, there have been, I've had a tendency, I used to have a tendency. I really, I, I mean, anymore, I, I know I don't know, but I, I used to have a tendency to, you know, when somebody new would come in, you know, I'd see them, and usually within the first 30 seconds, I'd go, oh, they're going to be good, or they'll probably leave before the worship ends. And over the years, I've discovered I got a 50-50 chance of getting that right. <laughs> I remember one, one uh, family in particular, they came in, you know, the guy had on a, uh, had on a suit and tie and everything, and, and the woman was, you know, dressed up, and, 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 and it just, they just didn't look like us. I think he had horn rim glasses or something, and they weren't even cool then. And I thought, man, they'll be gone before worship ended. No, before worship ended, they'll be standing up like this. And I went, I might have gotten that one wrong. And I did. See. As a general rule, we, we can't tell the difference. As I was preparing for the sermon this week, I came across something that I just, I, I wasn't expecting to come across at all. It was a quote by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And he's not a New Testament writer by any means, a 20th century Russian novelist, but, uh, but a man who knows God and is known for knowing God. And this is, this is the quote that, uh, that I read. It said, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? 
I don't know about you, it hit me. And, and as I was meditating on it this morning, I, I realized there's some people who are. You see, when, when, we, when we pull up those weeds, we're, we're not just destroying weeds. I think we're also destroying a piece of our own heart in the process as we do that. And in over 30 years here, I've only had one person that I've, that I've asked to not come back. Uh, and that was a process that was months long, actually, in trying to work with them and deal with them. But as the, as the shepherd of the, of the flock, I, I have to protect the flock. And quite honestly, uh, this, this person, the women weren't safe. And... He would not own up to it at all, but it was obvious, and so I had to ask him to leave. Uh, but even if we can tell the difference, and in this particular person's case, I, I, I hope this, this is what ultimately happened, but even if we can tell the difference, there's one critical area where the analogy breaks down. And... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there in just, in just a couple of minutes, but i got one more point that I need to make. And that point is this. Just because you're in the field doesn't mean you belong to the kingdom. I used to think that... The worst thing about being a pastor was that you had to get up and speak every week. You know, that's uh, that's now that's um, that's my favorite part. But uh, I used to think though the best part about being a pastor was that all pastors were going to heaven. And then I turned seven, and I began to maybe get a little different perspective on things than that. It's good to go to church. It's good to be. It's good to, to be around God's people. It's, uh, um, it's good to go to Bible study. It's good, it's good to worship. It's good to be on a worship team. It's, it's good to be good. But in the kingdom, even more than in the world, in the kingdom, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And there's really only one who that counts. And that's Jesus Christ. You can't get in by saying, hey, I was part of Mike Freeby's small group. Yeah. I, I, I went to Cecilia's Bible study. I, I, I sang with Will Severe on the worship team. I, I, I sang with Wayne Berry and Will Severe on the worship team. That won't, that won't cut it. You see? You get in because you know Jesus, not because you know about Jesus or not because you know someone who knows Jesus, but because you know Jesus. I had, uh, I, I had a lady come up to me between services and uh, um, all of you have been here for a while know her and she's, you know, she's, she, she's a, she's a leader here in the church. She says, you were talking about me. I mean, you know, this was some years ago, but she said, I went for years and didn't know Jesus. 
And I'd, I'd go to Bible studies and go, man, when's this thing going to be over? And I, but, I, but I had to go because I was associated with some stuff. And then one time I heard this testimony that I'd heard 20 times before, and it was, it was, it was the time. And the Holy Spirit hit me with it, and I got saved. And I told some of the people after that, said, I got saved tonight. And they laughed. <laughs> you got saved. I got saved tonight. I came to know Jesus tonight. He, he, he became mine this evening. And so here's the other reason why we aren't allowed to pull up the weeds. And this is where the analogy breaks down. It's because the weeds don't have to stay weeds. They, they, they don't have to continue being weeds. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, anyone who is joined with Christ is a new being. A, a weed can become wheat. Can become something, something, something fruitful. Something positive. I was changed. I was changed big time. I remember about five years into my walk with the Lord as an adult, looking back and going, what happened? You know, this is wonderful. I, I, you know, where, where I am right now and the things that I want and the things that I desire and, and, and the taste that I have in life, five years ago, I might have, I, I, I could imagine living on the moon before I could imagine this actually happening in my life. When we come to Jesus and we come to know Him, we're changed. Old things are gone. The new has come. And here's one last thing. When you're in the world and you're pursuing the new and you know you need a new this and a new that and got to the, the more you pursue it, the more boring and the more old everything gets. When you're in Christ, the newness never stops. It just keeps going and going and going. It gets sweeter every day. And you kind of go, well, you know, I, I, I've had some seasons. You have seasons, but, but, you, but you move through them. And you, and you find a new level of newness. And don't we like new? And someday, God will create a new heaven and a new earth and make all things new. Right now, we're in the time between times. And the best we can do, it's pretty good, is let Him make me new. With those who are going to serve the table, if, they would, uh, if they'd come this morning and the worship team come out, and if you're, uh, you know, if you're here, say, well, okay, how do I, how do I do it? How do I, how do I get saved? How do I become a, a, a wheat instead of a, a weed? Just tell him it's what you want to do. You know, there's no card to sign that'll make that happen or special prayer. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you the prayer to pray. Jesus, I want to know you. And I'd really like to be made new. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm sorry for my sins. Yeah, okay, you can put, put that in as well. But let's, let's just go, I want to know you, and I want to be made new.